0: You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Amanas as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. All right, Anchored, seven years in, and I thought I would try to keep with at least some of our traditions this morning. Uh, One of those traditions, me being highly disorganized, Okay uh okay let me say it like this our text is very organized my brain is severely disorganized this morning and uh i think i think we're gonna make it through though i think we're gonna make it through all right so so we've got a little big idea and then a big big idea and then a whole lot of text let me just open us up by saying our theme is blessed are the forgiven and here is our big idea this morning Blessed are the forgiven, you will find God in His Word, Jesus for you. Blessed are the forgiven, you will find God in His Word, Jesus for you. Let me read our text again for us this morning. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Actually, I'm not going to read the text because I'm too excited to get started with this, okay? Okay, the psalmist here, David, just threw multiple words at us. And you might be asking yourself, how many different kinds of sin do we need to be forgiven for? What is this transgression, sin, iniquity, deceit? Why in the world would David label all of these things? All right, so I need you to remember now, what is a psalm? It is a song. It is poetry. And yes, we do have different words for sin, and I'm sure that some of you out there have had a Bible, study Bible, or have been in a Bible study, and you could go through what the difference of each of those sins are. Typically, here at Anchored, we just use one word. It's called sin, okay? Why do we do that? Or better stated, why does David use all these different words? I don't know exactly. We have the different words. Why not use them? That's a pretty good reason. But also, because he's trying to paint a picture for us here. What does it take to be blessed? Blessed, joyful, happy to realize that you've received a gift? What does it take for you to be joyous because you realize that you have received a gift? What does David tell us? That your transgression is forgiven. That your sin is covered. That the Lord does not count any of your iniquity. And in your spirit, there is no deceit. Spirit, right in the, the deepest part of you, There's no lies being told. Why would David use those three words and then tack on the fourth one of deceit? He does it because he wants you to know that in God's forgiveness, it's total. God's forgiveness is total for you. There's nothing left behind. What about my sin? Forgiven. What about my iniquity? Forgiven. What about my transgressions? Forgiven. This is, way the, this is the way the forgiveness of God works, which is very different than the forgiveness of the world, right? Well, one, we don't live in a forgiving world. You make a mistake in this world, someone takes your job. You make a mistake in this world, and people hold it against you for as long as they know you. You make a mistake in this world, and people say, that's eh, fine. In this world, you do not get forgiveness. Now, Graham and Jeanette, I won't put you to the test right now, but how many times would you guess you would had to forgive one another over these last, you know, couple years of marriage? Many. Many. Okay. What about Peter and Beverly? Happy anniversary again, by the way. Peter, I'll just ask you, how many times have you had to forgive Beverly? (laughs) Zero. Oh, that's what I like to hear. No. No, this is how marriages survive. It's through forgiveness. Does that make it easy for us? No. Why? We need a model of forgiveness shown to us. And I'm not just talking about hopefully having good parents that can model it for you. But we need the model of Christ who forgives us of our sin so that we can go about forgiving the sins of others. Friendships. Friendships work like this. And Anchored Baptist Church, churches survive like this. You do not survive without forgiveness. In Jesus, we know it's total. All the different words, whatever words you want to use, whatever new words you want to make up, there's forgiveness in Christ for that. Um, I, I want to share a couple of things as I was reading, studying for this week, um, and I'll bring up a couple of Africans here, okay? Uh, so one of them is St. Augustine. Uh, and Augustine, he has this, uh, this interesting phrase that he seems to have invented. It wasn't a phrase before him, um, but we use this phrase all the time. Uh, it Self-love. Okay. The first time in history that, that word, those two words were put together like that, St. Augustine. We Maybe you've heard it another way, self-care, right? Or forgiving yourself. This is not what we're talking about, Anchored Baptist Church. Here's the truth, you can't forgive yourself. You can try to love yourself, but all you're going to do is be really selfish. That was Augustine's argument, Yeah. You're not really going to love yourself, you're going to spoil yourself and treat yourself better than you treat your neighbor, is what you're going to do. (laughs) And so, what is this deceit actually here? Uh, I thought it was so interesting, several of the early church fathers um, talked about then self-love. Essentially, they're saying you don't go around acting like you're forgiven or, or treating yourself as though you're forgiven if you haven't received it. From God. Okay, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was good. Um, Another thing that I would bring up real quick, it comes from uh, St. Athanasius, and it, it, it relates to Psalm 32. He says this, when you see people being baptized, ransomed out of a generation that is perishing, and you wonder at the loving kindness of God towards the human race, then this is the psalm you should sing. Psalm 32. There's a couple other things that I could bring up, but I'll just leave it there for now. Another thing that, that, um, that Augustine brought up, and then further on in church history, is that this, this deceit, this self-love that they're talking about here, he's calling it deceitful because he doesn't want anyone to get the impression that they should receive forgiveness only for themselves. All right, that's a little bit complex. But let me let me try to work us through it here real quick. What he's saying is if you're seeking the forgiveness of God just for the selfish motivation of saving yourself of some hardship in this world, you're doing it wrong. And I think that's a really good word for us. That's a really good word for us. Even when it comes to our sin and we're going to God saying, "Lord, save me from this, because I really just don't want to experience any hardship in this life or the next. Then you're missing the point of what God's forgiveness is giving to you. How? When Jesus, is, when Jesus forgives you of your sin, He is giving you all of Himself. You're actually missing out on the most important aspect of forgiveness, and that is that Jesus is giving Himself to you. What does the psalmist say? What does David say? For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as if by the heat of summer. There's so many ways that this right here can be your experience in life. Perhaps It's something related to a sin that you just are unwilling to confess to the Lord or to the person that you need to ask forgiveness from, right? And that becomes, in a marriage, let's just say it, right? That becomes a dividing wall of hostility to steal Paul's language where we are so stubborn that I will not go to that person and ask for forgiveness because I don't need it. They were wrong, right? Right? And that, that weight will waste make you waste away. It'll dry you up. What's, what's David talking about here? Well, it's a picture. It's a metaphor, Wade. He's also talking about death. This will lead to your death, David is saying. Don't let that happen. Don't let it happen. Um, this can also be, though, think, think about it like this, all right? It can be those sins that, sure, you're unwilling to speak out loud. It can also be those sins that were committed against you that you're unwilling to hand over to the Lord because you feel as though if you utter them, the trauma that that sin caused you is going to set in upon you again and dry up your bones and put you in the grave. Christians, look. Don't let that happen either. If someone has sinned against you and there is no place for you to go to talk about it, God's people are the place that you can go. Where you can say, this happened to me and this hurt me and there's no real healing from it, but I understand that I can't carry the weight of that sin anymore either. You can take it to a brother or sister in Christ. And of course, you can take it to Jesus as well. He's there to lift that weight up off of you. Here, David says, I acknowledged my sin to you. Uh, And now, I I love this translation. Maybe your translation says something different. He's talking about confession. How do we know that? Well, later on it says, I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. So what is this acknowledgement of sin? David's saying, um... I did exactly what I knew God would want me to do, and that is to say what was true about myself. I know that this is true. Lord, here it is. I'm acknowledging my sin to you. So I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover my iniquity. And this is great, right? Because blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. David says, I realized that I couldn't cover up my sin. I need you to do that, Lord. Once again, another good confession of trust in God. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. We're going to come back to that right now because this is, this is very important for us this morning. Surely in the rush of great waters, they will not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayers to you at a time where, when you may be found. Hey, Anchored Baptist Church, when's a time when the Lord can't be found? Hmm. You can shout it out. You can just give me anything. You can give me a good answer, bad answer. You can mumble. That's fine. Anything? Huh? Huh? Never. I like never. You know what? I would like to think that never is true, is never true. Well, it is. Okay. But let's, let's work to get there first, because there's this, One verse, and we could take the whole context. We don't have time for the whole context right now. um, But it's in Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 45. You don't need to turn there. It's literally one verse. Isaiah 45, um, verse 15. Truly, you are a God who hides himself. O God of Israel, the Savior. Wow! So Beverly, you're still right. But this verse, I think on this verse all the time. Truly, you are a God who hides himself. What in the world is Isaiah talking about? Why would he say that? That's horrifying, isn't it? What good is a God who hides himself? I mean, let's say all the pagan religions of old even the pagan religions of now. You know, things like the internet and TV. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> right? These things all hide themselves. They, they, what, what happens when it's windy in Hermannus? I don't know. The internet just randomly goes out. Why? I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. Where's the, where's the internet god at when I need him? Or the gods of old who you would sacrifice everything you could. You would cut yourself just to get them to perform something for you. But not our God. No, no, no. Our God's always present for us. He's always there for us. Truly, you are a God who hides himself. So then David says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time that you may be found. Anchor, this is true. God does hide himself. The kids and I have been reading through Mark's gospel. And, you know, the beginning of Mark's gospel, he's out there giving out good news, like it's going out of business. He's, he's out there healing people. And all the good things are happening. He's doing everything necessary to show people that he is the Messiah. And then halfway through Mark's gospel, he's just like, nope, secrets. I'm not telling anyone anything. Hey, I'm gonna heal you but don't you tell anyone. Hey, disciples, I'm gonna teach you something but don't you go telling anybody. Pharisees, you want the truth? Here's an extraordinarily complex story that I've written for you and uh, you're not gonna understand it because you're stubborn of heart. Even Jesus does it. Jesus hides himself. Anchored Baptist Church, when we come together As a church, what are we doing? We are hearing God's Word. We're hearing it read. We're hearing it preached. We're hearing it prayed. We're hearing it sung. We're seeing it pictured in the Lord's Supper and in baptism. When we come together on a Sunday, what is God doing? He's not hiding from us. He's showing us Himself. What's the number one way that God has decided to show Himself to us? In His Son, Jesus on the cross, for the forgiveness of our sins. And yet, you know as well as I do, we come in here sometimes, and our hearts are in a different place, our heads are in a different place. The things that this weirdo's saying up front sound strange to us. Or there's some sort of truth coming out of that text that I just I don't want to get on board with. I'm not there yet. When the truth is, you don't actually want to be there. This is God stopping up the ears. This is the Word of God making it... Well, there's no better way of saying it. Hardening your heart. Whenever the Word of God is heard, there are two responses and only two responses. There is the softening of the heart and the forgiveness of sins, or there is the hardening of the heart. So David is pleading with you this morning. Pray at a time where he may be found. When is that time? Anytime the Word of God is being shared with you. That's the time. If it seems like God's ever hidden from you, there is a place where He's hiding and it's in His Word. And now I don't just mean like a physical book that we hold, though, all right? Because what what did we also confess this morning? The Word made flesh. Where is God at for you always? Jesus. And what has Jesus done for you? He has died on the cross to forgive you of your sin. I love, too, that David here says, Therefore, let everyone who is godly. What are we talking about? We're talking about our own personal righteousness? No, Tim read it for us this morning. Paul's saying that this this is preaching the exact opposite of that. Who are the godly? It's those that have been forgiven of their sin. It's those who are blessed, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, where the Lord counts no iniquity. Now I thought it was also interesting, um, Athanasius, another African, I already mentioned that, but this is what he also said about this. From those first two verses, he said, what a blessing it is to know that everyone coming to the Lord's house is a sinner. Okay, <laughs> anchored, what, what does this mean? This means that each and every Sunday, we know this, we just confessed it, we know that we are sinners. Sinners. You know what that means? That when a stranger walks through those doors, we know one thing about them. They are a sinner. What Athanasius is taking from those verses is he's saying, you know what? We can take great comfort in the fact that each and every person comes into church on a level playing field. We're all sinners. It just so happens that some of us are also saints. Right? Right? sinner, 100% saint, saved by the blood of Jesus. And so what does it take to be godly? To have your sins covered, to be forgiven. The Lord counting no sin against you. I love, even though we could look at Isaiah and say, truly you are a God that hides, what does David say? For those that trust in the Lord, he's our hiding place. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And now here's David speaking to us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. (sighs) Anchor Baptist Church, um, when is the best time to take your sin before the Lord? David says, right now. That's what he says to us. Not when there's more and mer- more trouble up around you, right? Hey, when's the best time to prepare for battle? On the battlefield? No. You will be slaughtered. I was going to use a rugby illustration, but since I know nothing about rugby, I won't, okay? Uh, <laughs> Josh, can we tag team preach this? Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, this is one of the reasons why at Anchored, we always like to say that, uh, this is, this is like, like a medic base on the battlefield or, or, or this is like the firing base where we go to, to re up for the week, to restock our ammunitions and to prepare for the week that lies ahead of us. Because we need a break from the battlefield that lies out there. So what do we do? We, We come here and we hear God's Word. Why? Because we know it's in that Word that God is for us. We know that we can find Him there. And we know that we will receive the forgiveness of our sins there. Now, could you do it at any time during the week? Could you be sitting with your spouse? Could you be sitting with your children? Could you be sitting with your roommate and could you say, hey, I need to be forgiven by you and by the Lord for this and pray. Yes, you can do that. Can you do it on your own? It's not nearly as much fun, but you can. But each and every week, there's one place where I can guarantee you God is for you in the person of Christ ready to forgive you of your sin. Anchored Baptist Church, that's right here. That's seven years on and that's never going to end. As we think about this text too, I know I'm dragging it out just a little bit. Let Let me just lean on one more thing here as it relates to God's word. All right, now One of the things I always repeat back coming from Romans chapter 10 is how does faith come to us? By hearing. That's right. How did faith come to you? By hearing. Yeah, thank you. It came through the ears. That's true. You know what else it took? And Paul talks about this. He says, How beautiful are the feet that bring good news. What does it take for someone to hear? You can say it. you got to say it. I'm I'm asking you to speak. Oh, I just gave it away. It takes someone speaking, right? Yeah. Yeah. What does it take for someone to hear? It takes someone speaking. Anchor Baptist Church, it takes you speaking to someone. For speaking God's word of forgiveness in Jesus to them, So that God's word will continue to be planted in people's hearts through their ears. Yeah? This is how the Holy Spirit has chosen to work. This is how God, the Holy Spirit, has chosen to show us who God is and where we can always find him. That's in the word of good news about his son Jesus. All right, Anchored Baptist Church. Blessed are the forgiven. That's you. You are joyous, I hope, because you realize that you have received a good gift from the Lord. Forgiveness. And you will always find God in His Word, Jesus for you. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.